Charge on your paper doing okay? Paper's doing fine. Great. I can still read all the letters mostly. Except for the parts where I drooled. Welcome to the Innovation Overground, the front porch of academic innovation, where we find the coolest university technologies so that, uh, so that you don't have to. We want to turn up the volume on some of those innovations and hopefully help them become actual things out there, helping people, helping real people. Thank you for joining us. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Tyler Scher, PhD, science wizard. Hey, Charlie. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Man, you guys were efficient. Look at how like, crisply you exchanged pleasantries. It was... Man, it's just something to see. <laughs> that is uh, Joe Rungi, our Dr. Law Dog and Entrepreneur Werewolf. Who's not remotely efficient in social no. interactions. No. I just gas Can't on. Take him I've heard it seems like it takes 28 minutes to get through five minutes of content. <laughs> <laughs> that, Probably because I'm constantly that, reminding what? people to review the podcast, to subscribe, <laughs> tell their friends about it, to possibly pull a joke way too long just so people pay attention to you long enough to say, hey, you should listen to the Innovation Overground. Those guys are finding university technologies that you don't have to. <clears throat> yes. Possibly yes. at a Helium Prospector <laughs> conference. All right. I'll just wait for you to <laughs> wait for the quarter. And while I have your attention, <laughs> let me discuss briefly my morning before I got here. All right. That's enough of Joe. Thank you. Put him back in his cage. Um, I do want to uh, – that said, we do want to uh, – it's important for you to review the show and help us spread the word because the more people we can reach, the more technologies we can help get beyond the laboratory and into the real world. Because we're running out of stuff. We are running out we of stuff. we got real problems, and things that we really need. And that's a thing that we've been – I think we're going to do a series of shows here. And the next one is something I want to go over. It's something, something that, that we take it really for granted, You know, things that used to be a big deal that aren't anymore because we had this new stuff, but now we're running out of it. Yes. Right? Such as antibiotics. Oh, I was thinking of something else, but that's way better. It's way better than helium. Anyway. Helium. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm a, I find it more than slightly alarming what's going on with the antibiotic pipeline, as, you, as it were. Um, I, I remember doing some research on this about five years ago. And in the 80s, there were 29 new FDA-approved systemic antibiotics. And then... In the decades past, like, you know, 2000, 2009, we're down to nine. And I think in the last 10 years, we might be somewhere around seven or eight. I haven't done all the research for 2019 yet, but- Just you know, ended though. It sounds about right. Right. So, um, so I, I'm, you know, my numbers might be off there, plus or minus one, um, with at least the last decade, the most recent decade. And, you know, we're not- you know the problem with antibiotics too is, as far as my research has shown, is that they're 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 miracle they're miracles they're cures. You you get an antibi you get an infection you get an antibiotic it cures it it goes away you take you know your pills for ten days you're done with it. It's not like you know getting you know blood pressure pills that you take for the rest of your life. So all the research and money that you want to throw into an antibiotic essentially is just thrown. Well, I hate to say the word thrown away. But it's really hard to recruit that because you're not talking about something that people take for chronic issues. Right? Yeah, and and it's they're they're self-administered largely, so you don't have any other additional costs in the you know. And then when you finally do get a new one, they basically put it in a locked box and say, "Do not use in case of emergency." Break glass, right? Because they don't want yeah. there to be developing. Because uh, as soon as it, it as soon as it starts to be put in use, there'll be resistance right. developing. So, yeah. so you know. The bigger issue for me is like, okay, before antibiotics, we had a really hard time with things like appendectomies. There weren't knee surgeries. 
Um, who's who famously cut their finger and died from an infection? Wasn't there someone who like on a no? Okay. Um, I, I'm sure somebody. Joe is vigorously I, you know, shaking his head. Like I mean, a famous woman, I thought, like pricked her finger on a rose bush while she was trimming the bushes. Got an infection and died. I mean, probably hundreds of thousands or millions of humans before us. Have yeah, but died I mean, I, mean, I think. Yeah, yeah, the point is, though. I mean, it's like all of a sudden you skin your knee yeah. outside. It, that's like, a that could be a serious problem now. It's not just okay. We'll put a little bactine on there. Um, yeah. So no. what? I mean, is are are the universities out there doing anything for the? So what can be done? Because I, mean, well, I, I, I feel like there's like there's like a lot of issues for why we don't have more vaccines and why we probably won't have many more because nobody's even working on it now. Antibiotics. Excuse me, antibiotics. Right. And I think like it's a really important role for universities, right? Because, I mean, corporations since the 1980s have become much more focused on shareholder value. Like that's their job to create value for shareholders. And all the big pharma guys, they're shutting down their their antibiotic production or their antibiotic research. But it makes sense for the most part. GSK, Mark, all those guys, they're shutting them down. Yeah, yeah. If you want companies to be lean, mean, profit-generating machines, then they're not going to make antibiotics because antibiotics are not as profitable as other types of drugs. And that is the way it is, right? And so maybe the better argument is, okay, well then – Someone should be making them, right? Right. And I do think universities have a good role for that. University to the rescue Right, again. university to the rescue. Mm. So okay. what are they up to? So what are they up to? Do you got? I, I actually had mostly um, some some <laughs> policy suggestions from uh, individuals working who've worked on both sides of the road here. Well, within, I think that matters, Within right? university and within industry. On, okay. On how to align uh, properly align incentives to, to, re, to reignite the engine. Is this pie-in-the-sky stuff, though? I mean, could this be really no. – no. Wouldn't it be great if we all held hands and No, it's it's like changing policies so that oh my gosh. so so in terms of getting FDA approval, uh, so just tweaking policies so that the antibiotic doesn't necessarily have to be um, better than what's currently on the market, but as long as it just passes a, a minimum threshold of, of of working. So this is a regulatory test. It would just be new antibiotics, no more effective but different mechanisms. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, doing little tweaks you, like that. We're talking about something like, like, uh, like with peptides, uh, maybe using pep. Well, there are there's there are plenty of different um, <clears throat> technologies that are being uh, looked at as well. I mean, there's some at the med center. I could talk about a few if you'd like. We've talked about some in the past as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So peptides would be one avenue. Yep. So your body um, uh, naturally, as part of your immune system, has antimicrobial peptides, and there's uh, there's a whole avenue of research on um, engineering those peptides to be lean and mean, and 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 to be uh, to, to to basically be antibiotics. So there's there's a but world where we'll be using a, peptides. But there's a big problem though, and I think Joe, you told me about this that there's a big problem with creating enough peptides for them to be. They're just expensive. It's expensive yeah. to make. Okay. Yeah. So, so this so kind again, of comes down to we've we've kind of been hinting about a lot of new. Te- we talked a lot about some Western Drug Development Conference too. That yeah. there's a lot of next generation biomolecule engineering stuff we can do, right? Bioengineering. And there's a lot of promise with it, but man, those things are expensive. You know, synthesizing antibodies is way more complicated than, you know, just conventional chemistry, what we've been doing since the 19th century. So what all you, what, what the whole conversation is up to this point is basically alluded to is we, there needs to be uh, at the, the top, at the top levels of government industry, um, some sort of uh, collaborative concerted effort to essentially subsidize antibiotics for all of our sake. There's got to be a way to do it. So, well, and I think Tyler's like onto like a really important point. This isn't a technological fail. 
this is an economic fail. That yeah. The, the lack of the pipeline is that no one can get reimbursed. This almost sounds like we need some sort of like Apollo program here for antibiotics. Yeah. It's actually, I think, a little bit more simple. What we really need is a more of a Henry Ford type project for antibiotics. We need to make sure that the economic model is there so everyone can actually afford the research to develop them, to get paid back on it. That's actually a really good analogy. Yeah, because not, so not only is that a more efficient way to make them, so you can be making, make them cheaper, but then uh, you're, you're selling them at a price point where actually the, the people making them can afford them too. So everyone right. can afford them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because that was his point. It's like, I want to pay my workers enough to buy my cars. Yeah. Henry Ford did not love his workers. He wasn't doing it out of motivation for their goodwill. He wanted to create a market while he was paying people. Man, so it's essentially Henry double bottom. Ford blasphemy here. Jeez. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't know. I'm sorry. Bad joke. It's weird. I've been – Aldous Huxley, Brave New World keeps coming. Have you ever read that? I haven't read it. I'm they revere Henry it. Ford as a god all throughout. Interesting. So we need to create the Henry Ford of antibiotics. Wasn't Henry okay. Ford though actually like a horrible human being? Well, it just depends on who you ask. Like, have you been to the museum? <laughs> Not according to his <laughs> no. mom. The Henry Ford Museum, <laughs> they have a negotiated uh, retrospective of him. It's Henry Ford, brought by the Henry Ford Foundation and the United Auto Workers. And it is the most editorially schizophrenic thing that you'll ever sit through because it's like, Henry Ford was great, but he was also kind of bad. <laughs> okay. So anyways, I like to move on from Henry Ford. The, yeah. the relevant part here, though, is that it is more a question not of technical innovation, but actually procedurally being able to produce them efficiently. That's what really needs to come up in order to make the pipeline better. That's why I think Tyler's policy suggestions are a good idea. So there's no – I remember seeing somewhere that there's, there's concern that maybe the current – standard of technology and, and what we do to create new antibiotics is that's just tapped out. There's just, there's nothing left. There's nothing left to discover there. It's almost like, you know, where we are with rockets. I mean, are we going to have anything better than the rockets we have now to leave at, to leave, you know, the, the constraints of our planet? Right. Is there a better propulsion system or is rockets the, 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 the end? Man, you're just speaking right to me. But the dilemma isn't so much about rockets. You haven't it's not like microprocessors where you're reaching the physical constraints of efficiency. There is more antibiotic value that can be wrung out of current generation okay. antibiotics. Yeah, we well, have, that's good we news. Have, that's really good news, yeah. actually. The With, problem is, is it's still fabulously expensive to produce one of okay. them, and no one can figure out how to get paid in the business model. Got on the it. Other side. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's millions upon millions upon millions of years of evolution that have provided, provided us with essentially a limitless supply of antibiotics. If, out there to still be discovered or to be um, tested. So there, there's there is at every time that the <laughs> the bacteria evolve resistance. There's something else that comes along, right? Okay. So it's it's a so constant dance. The the thing I think will be difficult though is if you're using a dance analogy, the bacteria literally have like a million feet and they can move them at infinite speed. Where like you know we've got like two feet. And we have to be incredibly deliberate. About well, we wouldn't have to rely on ma uh, mammalian um, immune responses or even fungi. I mean, we can go. So another, besides the antimicrobial peptides, another possible realm of anti antibiotics would be using um, phage technology. So, so bacteriophage, which are viruses that are co-evolving constantly with the bacteria in order to infect and kill the bacteria. Okay. So that's kind of the other. You, you just go even smaller. 
Interesting. <laughs> so um, the technology I found is actually related to that. <clears throat> so a group at the University of California, what they did is they built this database, and this is a legacy project. They have patents on this going back to the 90s. Ooh. But what they're doing is they're looking at the various different genes uh, of whatever the bacterial species you're trying to kill are. And then they're looking at the metabolic frequency of those genes when you inhibit them. So the idea is, is not knowing what any of these things are functionally, these are just straight ahead brute force experiments. When you remove the function of that gene, is the bacteria less metabolically efficient? Is this something the bacteria needs? Yeah, is it critical? All yep. they do is they just squeeze hmm. them one at a time and see okay. if the thing squeals. And when they squeal, you know you have a target for antibiotics. And mm -hmm. so this is essentially creating a whole new front, like we talked about that, right? Creating new fronts in yeah. the wars against bacteria. Every one of these experiments gives a functional roadmap of antibiotic discovery. So if you think, oh my gosh, I have no idea what this gene does, but man, the bacteria hate it when you shut it off. Yeah. That is the functional, that's a whole new target that you can identify. And so going back to what do universities do? Drug companies in general, they look at risk versus reward. When you have new biology, right, new pathways, say, here is a drug no one's ever tried to drug before, right, a target no one's tried to drug before. Drug companies are like, I don't know about that. Because those are the sort of things that fail in phase two, yeah. right, because there's all these unknown variables. Phase two is when? In, in the FDA trials, right? That it looks great till it doesn't because you don't know the biology. Phase one is usually very small. Phase two is when it gets a little bigger. Phase one study, yeah, it's just to make sure you don't kill people. Right. But in phase two, you're hoping that your biological subset works on a broader population. Okay. And if you don't got it nailed down, man, yeah. Yeah, it's, it can be real trouble. But by essentially using computer simulation because this is uh, they, they can then take the functional data and plug it into a computer model and try to de-risk that drug opportunity Ooh. to sort of open it up. And so I think kind of building on Tyler's observation that these are not failures of individual scientific experiments experiments in so much as failures of economic models, yeah, yeah. broad experimental models. You know, he's right. There is a huge and infinite range of opportunities, but it's the same both ways. That bacteria can mutate, you know, really, yeah. really fast. And yeah. so your life cycle for your antibiotic gets shorter and shorter and shorter. So you're right to feel that there is some peril associated with antibiotics, arms race versus bacteria. However, we can dramatically increase the time in which we can discover, identify, and validate new antibiotics with tools like these. So if you combine new discovery tools with better economic incentives, along with a whole subset of exotic, non-antibiotic antibacterial technologies, then you have a whole wide range of ways to kill bacteria. All right. I yeah. guess I could uh, scale back the panic. Yeah, I mean, there there are there's you know very common bacterial uh, infections that are even in the U.S. up to fifty percent of people who become infected are they're, they're resistant to all antibiotics. So, okay, I mean, I'm back up to the full scale panic again. So, but 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 where so there's there's you know there's ways. <laughs> Scientists, interestingly, are finding out that even antibiotics used um, alone that don't work alone can work in combination. And again, that this gets back to metabolism hmm. and squeezing the bacteria until they squeal or whatever Joe's awesome until they squeal. <laughs> analogy was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, so all of this for the bacteria, they only have, they have a finite amount of energy and resources to produce 
you know, um, all of their machinery. And they, they need some machinery just to keep the lights on and stay alive. That, that leaves only enough energy left to produce stuff that can infect and help them infect a host. If you can, if you can target things strategically so that they don't have enough energy left in order to produce the infective parts, you can more or less clear them at that point. So. Man, empathy for the bacteria. You know, it's hard <laughs> out there to be a bacteria. You got <laughs> to keep guy. the lights on. You got to <laughs> keep ahead all these dang antibiotics they're throwing at you. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, uh, I think we're about out of time on that note. Let's uh, come to ground on this one. Um, Please take a moment to look at the program notes so you can look at the uh, California legacy project associated with computer-assisted antibiotic uh, generation. And please, we will include notes to some of the many, many policy proposals that Tyler has into more efficiently create a pipeline. I'll let you read them. Yeah. Also in the program notes, there's, uh, there's various information on how to contact us. If there are other uh, technologies that you think we should be talking about, you know, give us a shout. Uh, also, I want to thank our sponsors, Unimed, the technology transfer and commercialization office for the university of Nebraska medical center and the university of Nebraska at Omaha and KVNO studios at UNO. Uh, so for Tyler share and Joe Rungi, I'm Charlie Litton saying thank you and join us